but they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I got baptized at uh, Lake Minnetonka. Uh, I hit a couple backflips. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. My swag was having no swag. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another installment here of the Minnesota Sports Podcast on the 12th of November here, bringing down the latest in Minnesota sports for today. And going to go back to the Vikings here starting out this podcast and then we'll talk about the wild uh who didn't play particularly well last night and uh is the reason why you can't always rely on coming back we'll talk about them in a second uh but with the minnesota vikings we'll start it off because it's a uh football friday here on the minnesota sports podcast and talking about this vikings game against san uh called them san diego and honestly, I wish I could still call him San Diego. But the Los Angeles Chargers, we had Ian Rivers hop on the podcast yesterday, our resident Chargers insider here. He gave us some information about the game and about uh, specifically taking on the Chargers and what the Vikings need to do to win that game. If you want to hear that, you can go listen to tomorrow or to yesterday's podcast on Apple and Spotify. But today, I feel like there's been a lot of negativity in Minnesota sports, and for good reason, by the way. Uh, the Vikings have not been playing well, and there's a good shot that this thing ends with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman both being shown the door and this whole thing blowing up, essentially. Not tear it down, bolts up, uh, you know, but the whole the whole just it's got to be a hard reset. New quarterback, new coaching staff, going to have to work through a lot of uh, work through a lot of things to figure it out. But I'm going to go optimistic today. We haven't done that enough on the Minnesota Sports Podcast as of late. So we are going to do a little bit of a we're going to do a little bit of a positive reinforcement here, for better or worse. You know, Minnesota sports gets the the knack for the knock for being uh, too soft or not being hard enough or or you know always doing these kinds of things. But I think it's also important to get some balance because you don't want to end up like the East Coast sports fans who are delusional with their teams sometimes and just ragging on them for the sake of ragging on them, but. At the same time, yeah, there does need to be some counter check and back and forth, and I just feel like we've been moving a lot in one direction. So let's talk a little bit about the Minnesota Vikings and some of the good things that we have been noticing from this team. And defensively, there isn't a ton. I mean, you still have Eric Kendricks being one of the better uh, linebackers in the league, and Anthony Barr's been playing well this season when he's been healthy. Of course, he had the really good interception off Lamar Jackson last week, although there's not a good shot he comes back next season. But uh, you've still been getting great play out of your linebackers. We all expected that. Patrick Peterson is a guy, if the Vikings want to, and that assumes that Zimmer stays, that he would probably be inclined to come back if the Vikings could make the dollar amount work. You still have Harrison Smith, who you know hasn't been playing lights out, but is still one of the top caliber safeties in the league. Daniil Hunter coming back. You have the pass rush. All that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the defense definitely needs a lot of work. We've said that on the podcast. I'm not going to sit here and say that this defense is making the cornerstone. And guys like Cam Dantzler have had disappointing second seasons after having some stuff to build on. Uh, I thought Harrison Hand had a good uh, – or Cam Bynum. Those kind of guys had have had good moments. Cam Bynum obviously getting the interception and whatnot. Uh, there are still a couple guys that, like, you can build off. And I think I said this earlier in the week, but Cam Bynum is a guy who – you know, his best case scenario for him is that Anthony Harris route where you were, uh, I believe he was either a seventh round draft pick or he was undrafted, but Harris was a seventh round draft pick. 
and just kind of for a couple of years didn't really play and just was the, the practice squad or the special teams or the, or the whatever, and then slowly worked his way to second team and getting some rotational reps, and then eventually worked his way to being starter. And I think if you're Cam Bynum, I think that's the trajectory you have to hope for. You have to look at Anthony Harris and say, I want that to be me, because now Anthony Harris has a second contract starting for the Eagles. So, I mean, it's not great, but at the same time, you get a second contract, which in the NFL, getting a second contract is huge. And I think Cam Bynum has the ability to get to that point. Does that mean he will? Does that mean he'll become a, a great player? Does he come Because uh, Harris was a solid starter for the few years he was a starter here. So, I don't know. It'll be an interesting one to see. I can't guarantee that. But but the, the rich vein to mine for this rich mind to vein, whatever, whatever the, the way, uh, the rich vein to mine, there it is, uh, if you are the Minnesota Vikings, has to be in your offensive ability. And I, I know we knock Zimmer for the conservative play calling and not opening up this offense, but man, they have some weapons, and they're not even trying on offense, and that's the, that's the funny part. I mean, Irv Smith was a guy who was supposed to have a breakout season this year. He didn't even play. But Justin Jefferson proved he's still good in his second year. He's going to be a solid veteran. Adam Thielen continues to show why he's one of the better receivers in the league. You have, you know, even your backup tight end in Tyler Conklin can at least make some catches. He's a good tight end, too. Um, you look at some of the other. K.J. Osborne has been a guy who's come up. Now, I didn't expect K.J. Osborne to do this at all. I thought he'd be kind of one of those guys, the the Rodney Adams or the, you know, just in, Aldrick Robinsons or just the insert, you know, random guy the Vikings try to shoehorn in, Tasha Sharp, all these kind of guys that they try and shoehorn in, and they never work out. And K.J. Osborne has. He's shown that he can play. Now, he's got that Jerry's right, you know, kind of thing. Uh, he can stretch the field, but is more of a possession receiver. Use him in that slot. He's a good wide receiver three. And the thing is, in the NFL, if you have three capable wide receivers, you can do a lot of stuff with that. And I think with the Vikings, having three wide receivers like that, and I think the injury to Irv Smith, I've said this before, it's not a blessing. But you've certainly been able to show that, okay, wow, if we use three wide receivers, we can make some hay. And imagine what happens once we get Irv Smith back. Like, when Irv Smith comes back next season, the talking point isn't, okay, well, now K.J. Osborne has to take the back seat. The the conversation should be, how can we incorporate all of these guys and spread it around? Because that's the thing. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson not getting as many touches is okay if you feel like other people are getting the ball spread around to them who deserve it. So Tyler Conklin getting more receptions than Justin Jefferson, that's not good. But if you say Justin Jefferson didn't get as many targets as he should, but K.J. Osborne also went for, like, 70 yards and a touchdown – that was a big part of, like, they basically left him wide open and he made the team pay. Now, that's that's something where you're okay with them not getting as many touches because you're still getting contributions from around your offense. But you look at guys like, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, whose, you know, situation, we're not, you know, we commented on that already. That's something that's going to have to get settled. And I've said on the podcast, I'm just going to wait for more information before we really dive into that short story. It's not, it's not looking good. Uh, either way, and we'll just have to wait for that to play out before we make any rash decision. But from the time being, Dalvin Cook is on this team. He's a good running back, one of the better running backs in the league. You have Alexander Madison behind him, who's shown he can be a capable running back too, a guy who can be a bell cow, a guy who can start if necessary and do a serviceable job. Not to the level of Cook, obviously, but a guy who can at least fill in. And what I think is a game changer for the Vikings offense, and the Vikings know this, by the way, is Kenne Nwangwu. And... 
we didn't do a bunch of podcasts in the uh, training camp previewing the Viking season, but if you paid attention on the Twitters and you paid attention to what coaches were saying, Kenny Nwangwu was a guy that the Vikings really liked. They liked him in special teams, and they liked him on offense. And I think that as the season goes on, they're going to keep him in special teams, but they're going to work more and more to get him into that offensive role. But I, at the same time, he's a dynamic special teams returner, gave the Vikings their first special uh, teams touchdown for a kick return since Cordero Patterson. And that was five years ago now. So it's been a it's been a minute, it's been a while, and they have the pieces. I think Kenny Nwangu is a game changer because not only does he give you that kick return ability, but if you can get him in on offense, now he's not a bell cow rusher, he's not a rusher to the likes of Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. He didn't even get that many carries in college. That's why he was such an obscure player, and the Vikings took him in, I believe, the fourth round, based basically on athleticism alone. And you can see why, because he's got some quickness to him. He's got the things you want. He's shifty, everything about that. But I think if you can figure out a way to get him into offense, because he's not like Dalvin Cook. He is not like Alexander Madison. And that's good. You want your running backs to be able, have a little bit of variety, at least when you get past the first two. I'm okay with having the first two be similar. But when you get to that third running back, that's your, your traditional scat back. You know, that's your Darren Sproles. That's your... You know, Danny Woodhead. Those are your guys who, you know, who are just there to be guys to catch passes. They are not there to really run the ball. They're there to be kind of gimmicky players. They're there to do things like that. And the Vikings tried to do this with Jarek McKinnon, by the way, and it worked. Jarek McKinnon was a guy who was not a bell cow rusher when Adrian Peterson was here and when uh, Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook, you know, that first year. Jarek McKinnon got a lot of touches, granted because Cook got hurt, but also because he served different roles, that scat back. He was a shifty guy. You could get him the ball in space. He was tiny, quick, and could do all this stuff. Now, Nwangu was a little bit bigger than uh, McKinnon, but at the same time, they fit that same role. So which just makes you think that that's what the Vikings are trying to replicate with that, and it would work. It really would if they would open it up to do that, and the Vikings want to. How much they actually will is, you know, a question for another time, but I think the Vikings have the pieces on offense. Christian Derrissaw has been more than, has been better than advertised, at least better than the start indicated for injuries and just all the stuff that derailed him early. For him to come in with as little a training camp snaps as he did and as little game experience as he did, to come in and hold his own against some better pass rushers in the NFL, including Randy Gregory, by the way, who's pretty good. Uh, they, the, the Vikings at least hit on the pick and Spielman can, for whatever, you know, has been said against him in recent drafts, can say have hit on two first round picks and go from there, one of them being a lineman, and for him to have O'Neal and Derrissaw and have two bookend tackles, that's big for your team. And that's something that the Vikings, no matter if it's Spielman and Zimmer or whoever's in charge, that's huge to have two tackles taken care of. They're under contract for the next four years at least, and you have to worry about the interior of the line, but at least having two bookend tackles helps a tremendous amount, especially when one is on a rookie contract. And that, you know, CJ Ham is a capable fullback. Denfeld to go crazy. The public school stadium, please stand up. You know, Augustana, you know, whatever. But at the same time, uh, with Kirk Cousins, it's been the biggest wild card. And I, you know, I'm not a guy who says that we should extend Kirk Cousins. I'm a guy who's ready to see the Kirk Cousins experiment end and who's more than okay with, you know, figuring out a new quarterback, but also understands that Cousins is the best quarterback talent the Vikings have had 
since Brett Favre. I think that that's, I think that's fairly certain. I think he's been the best quarterback statistically since Brett Favre. Maybe you could say Bradford was the better quarterback prospect, but I mean, he had cinder block feet worse than Cousins. So I don't know. That might be reaching it. But either way, the, the whole point is you haven't had a quarterback quarterback who could do the things that Kirk Cousins could do since he's been here. Since the since Brett Favre has been here, I should say. So. There And now he's nowhere close to the level of Favre, but he's at least closer to that level than any of the Vikings quarterbacks have had in the last 10 years. But looking at now the landscape of everything and looking at the landscape of how the Vikings want to approach it, Kirk Cousins still has one more year left on his deal. And a big part of what happens next is dependent upon who the next head coach is. If Zimmer is the next head coach of this team, I don't even know if they 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 might box themselves into keeping Cousins because they'll convince themselves they need to win now and they just drafted a quarterback in Mond and they need to, you know, whatever, 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 and sign them to like another two-year extension and just kind of patchwork this thing a little bit longer. But I think I think whoever is the next head coach, I think if it's not Zimmer, if it's an offensive-minded head coach, think of the things that this team can do. If they even keep Cousins for one year, maybe sign them to like a one-year extension just kind of give them that bridge, give the Vikings some time to where if they don't like this quarterback draft class, they can at least reach into the next one. And it's just an interesting uh, way the Vikings could do it if they bring in an offensive-minded head coach, and especially if Shanahan gets fired next year. Uh, But at the same time, they could play next year. They could, if uh, the offense could at least. And they could lean into being an offensive team, and they could compete more than people will give them credit for uh, in that regard because of how many weapons they have. And if you get an offensive coordinator who's just willing to lean into the passing game a little bit more, willing to lean into being more aggressive than the Vikings have had before, you really have something there and something that would be very interesting for the Vikings to pursue. But that's all kind of speculative and looking forward. I'm going to give the positivity here. And again, this is our positivity episode. This is this is me. I'm not BSing you. I'm not, I'm not trying to say... You know, I'm not trying to, uh, to sell you on something that's not. These are my true opinions, but again, this is all, I'm just being positive here. I'm just being on the optimistic front. Um, do all these things happen? Probably not. Do the, You know, whatever. It's going to be interesting to see, but here we go. If the Vikings somehow can get back into playoff contention, and let's look at their schedule here. Now, they're getting through the end of this tough stretch. So when you look at the Vikings schedule, they play at L.A. against the Chargers. Then they have the Packers at home, which could potentially be, and now Aaron Rodgers I don't think needs too much prep time. Uh, I bet you Rodgers comes back this weekend, but if he doesn't, Aaron Rodgers' first game against uh, opponent, his first game back with the Packers after everything goes on a road game against the Vikings, everything. I don't know what time that game is scheduled to be. I'd have to look at the, uh, the schedule. But if it's Aaron Rodgers' first game back, it's a double-edged sword. The worst part for the Vikings is that he comes in and he has one of those bleep you games. He's out to prove everybody wrong. He's out to do all of this stuff. He's out to make sure that everybody knows that he was the wrong, he's the victim, whatever. And he just has a bleep you Aaron Rodgers game. The flip side of that is without being with the team for a week and the distractions and and everything and just, you know, his first game back and having to deal with that all week and just, you know, the tension, extra added tension, there could be a case to say that maybe – he uh, doesn't. He comes out flat, and the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers is if you can at least get him to start out flat, he's going to course correct by the second half. But if you can at least get him to start out flat and keep your team in the game, then you have a chance of winning things. If you let Rodgers get out to a 14-point lead or let him you know, score 
14 to 17 points in the first half, well, they're just going to run with that at that point. Uh, but uh, I, I think that there's a chance the Vikings could win that one because the Vikings and Packers usually split. You're playing at home against Aaron Rodgers. No matter what your record is, they're still going to want to win. That's still going to be a game you can motivate. The 49ers, look, they lost to Colt McCoy and James Conner. So I'm sorry. I'm not taking them seriously. I think the Vikings could end up winning that game. So let's say you lose to the Chargers, but you beat the Packers, you beat the 49ers, you beat the Lions. So all of a sudden you're back to 6-6 six and six on the season. And just like last season, you dug yourself in a hole, and now all of a sudden you dug your way back out of it. Now they'd be 3-6 and six after the Chargers game, and it'd be a, a big ask for Zimmer to hold the team together through three straight games. But beating the Packers like last season was a way to kind of get everybody and rally everybody around this team. And then if they're 6-6 six and six by uh, this time that they play the Steelers on Thursday night, one, we know the Steelers are beatable. Two, it's a Thursday night game, so there's just a lot of weird stuff that can happen. It's at your building, and just the things that you can do uh, in that make it a little bit easier. Uh, so that's one thing, and the Vikings have the tackles to show that they can at least hold their own against T.J. Watt. Not to say that they're going to shut him down. He'll still get his he'll still get his uh, numbers, but he's not going to completely wreck your game plan like maybe it would be if Rashad Hill was uh, blocking for your team. So. There's a chance that the Vikings win that. All of a sudden, they're 7-6. and six. And then you play the Bears. Now, Justin Fields is getting better. I think the Vikings split with the Bears. But then you end up, let's say you split with the Bears. You play them twice in the last month. You know, you were 7-6. and six. Now you're 8-7. and seven. And then you still have matchups with the Rams at the Packers. You lose to the Packers, you're 8-8. Eight and eight. And then you lose to the Rams, you're 8-9. and nine. But here's the thing. 8-9... and nine, might be enough to get you into the playoffs. Eight and nine might be enough to get you in. And if you're Zimmer, you could go to the Wilfs and you could say, you know, look at everything against us. We had Patrick Peterson go down for a while. Uh, we had, you know, our rookie right ta our rookie left tackle not play until halfway through the year. Uh, we had to overcome injuries to Daniel Hunter. And look at all the close games we had. I mean, if the Arizona game would have went differently or the Cincinnati game, look at all these games that went differently. And, you know, the Wilfs buy in and they say, you know what, they're about to turn a corner and Zimmer keeps his job. Now, whether that's a good thing for the franchise or not is a conversation for another time. But there is still a path where the Vikings can sneak in on that seventh seed because if you look at the NFC standings right now, it is, we talked about on the podcast yesterday, it is pretty wide open. There is not a lot of teams competing for those extra spots here. You know, you have your top teams in your divisions, you, you have the... The Packers, you have the Cowboys, you have the Cardinals, and you have the Buccaneers. The Saints will probably lock up one of those other playoff spots, so they'll they'll get in. There's seven spots, four division winners, so there's two other spots up for grabs. The one team in the NFC North, I, I think one team at best gets in. So I don't think the Bears are going to be playoff contenders. They're three and six, unless they massively turn things around. But I don't see that happening with a rookie quarterback uh, and a head coach who probably is going to lose the locker room at some point. So I'm going to count the rest of the NFC North out. Outside of the Vikings, who are going to keep them in theoretically, the Rams are going to get a playoff spot. So now it comes down to one spot. And that one spot you're competing with the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Now you have wins over the Panthers and the Seahawks, and you could potentially get a win over the 49ers. The 49ers have a tough division. 
the Saints have a tough division with Trevor Simeon. And the Falcons also have the and Panthers have that tough division as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's the whole, the whole point to say is it's wide open. And maybe one team ends up winning a lot more than expected. But all I'm saying is that 8 and 9, even though it's below 500, 8 and 9 in a 7 seed playoff race might be enough to get you in. And if you're the Vikings and you get in, this is still a talented team and you probably end up playing the 2 seed which could be either Green Bay, it could be Tampa, or it could be uh, Dallas, could be Arizona. The Vikings would feel confident going into Arizona. The Vikings would also feel confident going against Green Bay, a familiar opponent. They would know how to play them. Tampa Bay would, would be a little more sketchy. Uh, I just don't trust the Vikings against Tom Brady. Uh, Zimmer would know how to how to beat that defense. or Tom Brady would know how to beat the defense because the Zimmer defense wouldn't be talented enough. And when you look at the Cowboys, they don't have a real home field advantage playing indoors in January. It's not one that would scare me. I would say the Vikings would probably take the Cardinals or the Packers because they know that they could beat either of those two teams because the Vikings almost beat the Cardinals and the familiarity with the Packers. And if Zimmer can do a 2019 where he wins a playoff game, especially an upset playoff game, you know, on the road, huge upset like it was against New Orleans. It could be enough for the coaching staff to say, or the ownership to say, that this team still plays behind him. Let's keep it going. And again, whether that's better or worse if Zimmer remains the head coach, all I'm saying is that even though the Vikings are three and six, weirdly enough, or three and five, I should say, even though the Vikings are three and five, weirdly enough, they still have a path to the playoffs. And that is my very long-winded way of saying. Don't count the Vikings out yet, even though in my mind I kind of already have them out and I really don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. But if they do, they still, I mean, it's a weak NFC. They still have a chance to bumble and stumble their way in and upset a team. And then all of a sudden we all have to scratch our heads and make some really tough decisions on what the future of this franchise looks like. Because even that, then do you extend Cousins and all the uh, can of worms that you open up with that one. But let's take a look here now as we move into our Football Friday. Uh, the Gophers haven't beat... Iowa in Iowa City since 1999. They haven't beat Iowa since 2013, which is feeling forever and forever ago, more and more at this point. Maybe it was 24. I think it was 2014. Actually, it was the last time that they beat Iowa. 2014, so seven years ago. That's uh, that's not great. And I just, I I think that. Uh, when it when it comes to the Viking or the Gophers, excuse me, they can't get the the big road win, and I don't think PJ Fleck and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think PJ Fleck has really had a signature road win as head coach uh, outside of Camp Randall, outside of getting the axe. That was his one signature road win, but that was a few years ago already. That was a down Wisconsin team. When has PJ Fleck gone into Iowa City and won? He went into Madison and won once. He's gonna have to. Uh, he's gonna have to do it again. By the way, this year, uh, or actually, I believe that game is gonna be home. But either way, the point is, is he's gonna have to go on the road and he's gonna have to beat Iowa, and they're gonna have to figure out how to do that. I don't know what it's gonna look like for the Gophers, but if they have any hope, they're gonna need to be able to get more out of the passing game. And I know we've talked about PJ Fleck needs to either trust Tanner Morgan or figure something out with him. Because the, the Gophers have kind of dug themselves into this hole where they need Tanner Morgan because he's a veteran, he's ran the offense, he's the most stable option because you're trying to compete for the Big Ten West, and you don't want to bring in Zach Anikstead who's going to play hero ball 
throw a bunch of interceptions or bring in a freshman like O'Brien and do all this kind of uh, uh, stuff. But O'Brien's not the name. I'm trying to blank on the guy's name. But the the freshman quarterback that they have and. You don't want to you don't want to mess that up. Tanner Morgan is the only guy capable of keeping the train on the tracks, but he also has not been playing great. Now, whether you chalk it up to him regressing, whether you chalk it up to him not having two NFL wide receivers, whether you chalk it up to Mike Sanford Jr. being an offensive awful offensive coordinator, which he is, they still have to figure it out. So I don't know. The game plan is going to have to be run the football, but Iowa's got a good run defense, and the game plan is going to have to be trust your defense. This is going to be a slog fest, by the way. There's going to be two teams who do not want to pass the ball who are just going to be content with running and letting their defenses win them this game, and it's just going to be who can win first. The Gophers have bigger and more athletic offensive linemen. Iowa is more disciplined, and they have a better structure around what they like to do. P.J. Fleck has gotten outcoached in some of these big games outside of the Auburn game. Uh, he's lent himself to getting outcoached in some of these situations, so it'll be interesting to see. Now, second game, fresh off that new extension, if he can figure things out. I think the Gophers have a chance to win, but again, with them in Iowa City, if you have a one in this millennia, and we're in decade uh, three, by the way, uh, you're going to need to uh, you're gonna need to actually prove it before I can sit there and confidently say that you can go in to Iowa and win. But that doesn't mean that you're hopeless. It just means that you're going to need to prove it. So now let's take a look here uh, at the Minnesota Wild. And for the Wild, uh, they lost last night against... Vegas on the road and they were down three nothing and the one thing we talked about with this team is their comeback kids and they're gritty and they do all this stuff and they have the great culture and that's all great but the one thing about being comeback kids is you're behind the one thing about having so many walk-off victories is means your team is losing late in the game so how can you know the wild need to worry more about coming out and starting uh, starting hot, starting fast against a team that isn't the Arizona Coyotes. And if they can do that, then they're going to have some success. But at the same time, they're going to have to figure things out uh, with this team. Now, uh, Spurgeon, Hartman got a couple goals. They came back late. They did that. But it just goes to show, and again, it's good that they're coming back. I'm glad that they have that in them. I'm just saying that we can't rely on the Wild to be comeback kids all season long. Because at a certain point, when you play the better teams... They know how to close out games. The Isles are a good team, but Vegas is a lot better, and they've played you a lot more. They know you a lot better. That was the first time the Wild played the Isles in, like, what, two years? It's just got to be better, and they have to figure out a way to stay in games more and to get in front early, again, against a team that's not Arizona, who is one of the worst teams in the NHL. So they're really going to have to figure some things out uh, with the Wild and just figure out what the trajectory of that is going to be um didn't watch too much of the game last night so i can't say for sure if talbot got you know schooled or, or what the, what the deal is um it was an interesting thing though i saw on twitter earlier today and now i haven't been one sounding the alarm on uh kaprizov i've been the one who's saying relax like he'll figure things out but it's interesting that russo uh, michael russo uh on twitter he covers the wild for the athletic one of them i think he's probably the most respected uh beat writer on the wild or, or beat writer for the Wild, covering the Wild, uh, in the hockey world and nationally and in Minnesota. Uh, he's just the guy when it comes to getting the scoops and when it comes to reporting. You know, everybody, there's a lot of trust in what he has to say. And he came out and said that he's been disappointed with how Kaprizov has played this season, and that's been interesting. 
Um, and I can pull up the full tweet. Uh, I can try and see if I can find the whole tweet here. But uh, he basically said that he hasn't been impressed with uh, he hasn't been impressed with Kaprizov, hasn't been impressed with Fiala so far this season. And uh, not that they said that they've been awful, but just says that they uh, that they need to do some stuff to figure it out. And uh, that they just got to work out some things. One with Kaprizov is uh, unable to land some of the more uh, wider open shots, one of the more gettable shots. And the other one, Fiala, has just been uh, kind of inconsistency in terms of that. And I'm going to try and pull this up here because he had about 250 people comment on this thing. And uh, Michael Russo has said he's been really concerned with his play so far this season. Now, whether it's just growing pains or whether it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't know whether he's regressing, whether it was just kind of a really good first season and, uh, you know, whatever, but he hasn't had a lot of great things to say. And I'm trying to find the tweet here as I'm, uh, as I'm rolling through and looking at what the, uh, here it is. It's, uh, this guy said, do you have any thoughts on both Fiala and Kaprizov's slow starts this season? And Russo said, quote, I'm concerned with both. Fiala with his turnovers and not being able to corral pucks, and Kaprizov with his con constantly shanking point-blank chances or not shooting. Both did that often again last night, referencing their play against Vegas. And I think that's an interesting thing to point out, and I think that it's something that we really do have to watch. Now, again, I think Kaprizov will be fine. I think that the Wild will be fine. And again, I think that even if you do think that they're having slow starts, once Kaprizov and once Fiala, according to Russo, once they figure it out, how much better does it make this Wild team? How much better do they become? How much does that raise their ceiling? And that's going to be interesting to watch throughout the year. But again, uh, it's just Russo is a very respected hockey mind. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I know more than Michael Russo. He's seen way more hockey than me. He's followed the Wild way longer than me and just knows way more about the game, the players, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's his opinion, and that's interesting, and it does add a lot of context to the people concerned with Kaprizov and Fiala. I still think they're going to be fine, but that's uh, what he had to say, and he's definitely the most respected hockey media figure in Minnesota, at least one of the one of the most. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And one thing I want to finish on with the, is with the Twins. Uh, and with free agency coming up, there was an interesting uh, thing I saw from Jeff Passan, uh, again, one of the more respected national baseball people, insiders, uh, and he says, in an unexpected turn in free agency, shortstop Corey Seager and infielder Marcus Simeon are among the players whose markets have accelerated to the point that they could sign before the expected December 1st lockout. Now, again, uh, for those of you who don't know, the MLB and the Players Association are going to have a labor dispute, which means that we are going to be in a lockout for a considerable amount of time. And because of it, some teams have basically said, well, would you rather sign now and do it on your own terms and feel like you're comfortable and you know that you're making a lot of money and you know that you've secured a long-term contract going into this, or would you rather wait and who knows? The labor negotiations could end in January. Not going to happen. They could end in February. They could end in July. We have no idea how this season is going to turn out and this upcoming season. And so whenever it restarts and free agency opens, how soon does the regular season start? How soon are players trying to find teams and, and teams trying to sign players and just being a madhouse? And teams and agents, by the way, kind of are thinking, 
why don't we just wrap this up already? I make sure my client gets paid. The teams make sure that they have somebody going into next season and uh, can kind of build off that. So it's going to be interesting to find out. And Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon are two of the biggest guys in free agency. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how it plays out. Also, free agent nugget from uh, Darren Wolfson over at KSTP and Score North. Uh, he says that the Twins were among 20 teams attending the Justin Verlander workout. I think Verlander would be a good – he'd be a, kind of a classic Twins. Uh, Falvey and Levine will pay you like $15 million for one year. And if you're great, awesome, and we'll try and re-sign you to like another one-year deal. And once you once we either aren't good or once we feel like we can dump you, we'll ship you off. And that, that might be how they play it, but it's an interesting thing to look at. We'll talk about more free agency as this develops, but before the, we got to the weekend, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. We'll be back again on Monday with more, so tune in then. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.